Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another High Resolution. I'm Seamus Byrne. This week, I have spoken to Jordi from Deconstruct Team, which is a Spanish developer. They put a lot of games up on Itch.io, and they've been releasing this latest compilation of 10 narrative games to Steam. It's called Essays of Empathy, and it's a really fascinating space because it is all about narrative, emotional experiences, short-form games, a really interesting idea. So I wanted to talk to Geordi about focusing on this style of gameplay and that desire to sort of create these sorts of experiences. The conversation goes to some really interesting places. We got in touch uh, via, you know, digital means. He's based in Spain. And so it's a really interesting conversation that we got to have about uh, making these kinds of games. And I hope you enjoy it. The game is now out. It is called Essays on Empathy, 10 short form games in one compilation. And it's out now on Steam. So go and check it out. I started by asking Jordy just to describe in his own words uh, what it really means to make a game that is all about these narrative emotional experiences and to compile many years of work into this kind of format. So let's jump into the conversation with Jordy from Deconstruct Team. And with Essays uh, on Empathy, it's like uh, it's actually like a curated compilation of games because so far we've done about. 33, I think, 34, we're around that, that that number. And we picked just 10 because a lot of things go wrong when you experiment. <laughs> so we just pick up with the ones who can be, that can be a bit more interesting or that have, uh, gave, or that gave us something interesting or definitory in our career because this compilation, this compilation spans about six years of experimentation on, and work. And we decided uh, finally to put them all together in a really nice box with uh, collector content, like uh, a gallery with how do we make the games. And uh, uh, there's also uh, about one hour long documentary. And it's divided in pieces about why we did those games, in which context were they done, and what have we learned from them. And I mean... I, I like to, to emphasize the, the part of the documentary side because it's just, I mean, most of the games are about 30 minute long pieces. Yes, yes, you just enjoy them. But then I think it's a great compliment, the, the videos, if you are into, I don't know, experimental stuff or more artistic venues of making games. And so, because the videos are not making offs like technical stuff, 
um, it's ourselves talking about our designing philosophy, our views on, I don't know, mental health and our politics and how do we, what do we expect with games to, to interact with people. So, because one thing that the games have is like they are like, uh, they are not inoffensive in a way that they heavily loaded in their narratives and their purpose and stuff. So we wanted to explicitly talk about them in, yeah. in the videos. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is some kind of, I don't know, if it, like a collector's Blu-ray or so of a movie you really like, something like that. With You can enjoy all the collector material and go through it. But basically, it's just um, putting together uh, the things that haven't been so much as, as a failure during these experimentation uh, years. Yeah. And, and then it comes with an exclusive piece, which is not... Uh, as experimental, it's a one hour and a half long game that is some of, uh, I don't know, I think it synthesizes uh, a lot of stuff that we learn through the journey. So you can get to play, if you play it through the games chronologically, you can end up in this final exclusive piece in which we put, we, I mean, just to briefly tell you about this exclusive piece, it's called De Tres al Cuarto, which is a Spanish expression for something of pretty low quality. It means like, <laughs> It's something so cheap that you could literally have three for a quarter. Right. That's what it means. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so, and it's about a couple of two-bit comedians that are trying to make a living out of their comedy, and we used that story. It's a deck-building game, actually, about making comedy, and we used that story to channel all of our um, how do we deal with the, the not-so-successful creative life and the struggle of the relationship with money and doing what you love, but not being that great at it or that successful at it and working along people that you love. And it's kind of the synthesis of all this, this journey through that. Yeah. Sorry for rambling on. No, that's great. <laughs> I mean, it's that's a great it. introduction. Yeah. I mean, I've literally in recent days kind of been talking a lot to like, especially in sort of a family context, you know, that, that we need more short gaming experiences, you know, and, mm. and, you know, sometimes I guess they even then will, will say, well, let's call that like an interactive experience rather than call it a game. But I'm like, no, we want games, mm -hmm. but we just we want kind of short form things that you can do in a single sit sitting. And, you know, even when you're talking about half hour ones, it's like, well, yeah, you, know, you sit down and, and binge a TV series half an hour at a time. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. What kind of, you know, thinking back at the start of all this, you know, made you decide let's explore these kinds of short format games and then mm -hmm. what kind of reaction have you had and what kind of an audience do you think you've found sort of through, you know, pursuing this style of game creation? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, why we do this is because it's, it is what it has allowed us to make a living to begin with with game. Or, I mean, we are only a three-people studio and the thing is that if you want to be competitive in the video game market you need to create either something that is really good production-wise or really original or innovative. And we don't have the muscle to compete with big games or great indies or stuff like that. So we need to compete with innovation. And the thing with innovation is that you get to fail a lot, way too often. <laughs> so we often join game jams and maybe explore an idea for just a weekend, 72 hours, or maybe do like just two week long developments to explore an idea. And we put them out there. 
And we usually upload them on, on H, H, uh, And I mean, they do not become uh, super successful or super popular or anything. Maybe about the most successful ones are played for about, I don't know, 4,000 people. That is not a lot in, in the big picture of, of things. But you get a lot of interesting feedback. Like, um, I see that people dig the narrative style here or this kind of um, character dynamics work really well. Or adding creativity into the design has been super interesting. So through this really niche uh, audience, that is uh, the people who follow us in the underground game that scene, then we get to... Um, destillate a formula that we know is going to more or less work in a commercial scene. So that's, for example, how the Wrestling's Club was born or, or bigger commercial release. It's a game that features uh, pottery, bartending, and impersonating people on the phone. So how such a weird mix comes to happen? Uh, well, it's... Um, with that way of working. We just released several little games. In fact, in the collection of Isis on Empathy, you can see some of the original prototypes that gave birth to the Resistance Club. There is like the original pottery mini game with different stories and stuff. So that's that's our way of proceeding because we had like uh, some mis- mis- misfortunes with uh, thinking that we already know how to make games and skip the prototyping part and the experimentation part and just jump into let's rent an office and build a big team and let's work on this super ambitious project. And after a year and a half, it failed and we had to close the office and reduce the size of the team and everything. And uh, it's too hard. It can be um, a definitive failure if you are up for size as just to be after a year and failure, it can mean that you you need to go back and find a job and, and quit this life altogether. So we're not doing that anymore. We barely survived that accident. So now we just like guerrilla mode, just experimenting, finding new stuff. And whenever something interesting comes in our lab, we just work it, present it to Devolver Digital. And if they are nice enough to let us produce it, we just go and, and release it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So uh, how do you feel like the, you know, the audience for you has evolved? Because in in a certain sense I do feel like, you know, um when you've got a, you've got you know mega triple A type games, and in a sense, it's like well, people kind of you know, I guess sequels are just the norm in that sort of space now, and and people are looking almost for the mechanical side of you know, of I know I I, I know exactly the kind of experience I want from it, um, you know, if they're su- 
too surprised, I guess you like some surprises, but if you're too surprised, then you maybe get annoyed because it wasn't what you were expecting. Um, whereas in this kind of small space, I wonder, and like I'm just not sure, is there a sense of, you know, the authorship almost where people start to kind of know, oh, if if this team made it, then we I know I'm going to like it, um, you know, that they like to almost feel like they're in your head and, and your way of sort of creating things. You know, so have you found there's a certain sort of, you know, a fan base uh, that follows your work, or that you know people kind of respond in a in a common way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe we are we've been like mm, getting people who follow our work and are interested in, in what we do, or maybe even not just us, but like this scene of yeah. uh, narrative crafters, or I don't know, they follow like yeah. a, a series of developers that they know they craft experiences that they like. And I think it's it's really interesting in that way. It's it's nice because you can also start a conversation with them nowadays because they are on social network and you get what they think about your your games and you see the reviews on Steam and you see, I don't know, comments on posts online and YouTube videos. You get to read a lot of what people think about your work. And sometimes not that nice. They're not that nice about it, but okay, that's that comes with the with the social networks. Um but I believe we're still like um, something such a, a really obscure uh, team in the in the big picture because um, I feel like uh, I don't know it, maybe this is a weird thought okay but I feel like indie games are, feel like they come like from the same way or the same I mean there are people who is knowledgeable about game studios and publishers and stuff but then people for the big audience indie is just attack on steam that you click on it and you see let's see what the indie industry the indie machinery has produced today yeah so we are not reaching such a big audience um right now as compared with other big productions or some indie hits that get to reach a million players or something like that mm, even though i i think or i hope it's a mix of thinking and hoping. The, the the audience have been maturing with the years and they're up for more introspective experiences. The thought, the belief that games need to be fun is fading away bit by bit. The, it's more of this, this, it's becoming more common sense that even if they're called games, they need to be stimulating, not just fun. It can, they can stimulate you in different ways, not just having fun. And I believe that is something that's going to keep evolving in certain ways as, as audiences mature and, I don't know, as in this progress. And I think we are about, well, because I, I, I do not often like to compare ourselves to literature or cinema or stuff, but no one expects cinema or literature to be fun anymore. I mean, you can read a book on some tragedy and why cannot games be a tragedy that are not fun tragedy you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> yeah and so yeah, yeah i mean that's that's what my my bit of my thoughts on yeah that's, that's i mean you know it, i think it totally makes sense as well that you know when i think about even amongst you know, there's kind of the the hardcore kind of gamer audience out there who very heavily define themselves as gamers but i can imagine there's a whole slice of that 
that hardly even know like Ichio exists, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that it's kind of its own kind of world over in this other space. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of a fascinating area to, to think about. I mean, when you reach this kind of a moment where you're putting together, you know, a collection of, of 10 stories, 10, well, 10, you know, narrative experiences, um, is there a moment of reflection then on sort of, you know, the, you know, what you've created so far? You know, is, is it in some ways, you know, a, a line you now draw and you think slightly differently about sort of how you produce things in future? Or, you know, is it just a nice moment to kind of, you know, just feel like, well, it's great to mark a moment on the journey and we continue the journey um, from here? Well, that's like, I think that's the question because uh, why this collection exists has a bit of background and is that um, sometime along the last year, I mean, I think August or September 2020, we were already like we've been two years at work into a really big project. And sometimes along those, those August, September, we, we broke down because we had this, this happy idea about, well, since we are confined and we cannot get out of our homes, let's work a lot. So when this is over, we can get out and play with all the work done. But it happened, it wasn't such a great idea. And when September came, we broke down like with anxiety attacks, being unable to get in front of the computer. We were really burnt out like like we've never been because we, we know what is to work a lot from other uh, games that we've done. But yeah. doing so without being able to go outside Hug the people that you love. Meeting friends is is it's something that it's super hard to to bear. So the thing is that for the rest of 2020, the three of us have been. I mean, we went to therapy. We stopped working in games altogether. We needed to get back on our feet at, at any cost. And so, the Bolber were nice enough to to say us that mental health is the most important thing. Just take any time you need. And I mean. The world is going to keep spinning. Don't worry about it. Whenever you are ready to go back, we can go back to it. So they were super nice about, about it, and we stopped production altogether. So 2021 came, and you, we were feeling better. We went through therapy. We were stronger. And uh, suddenly it feels super scary to go back to the big project that s- stole your sanity. And yeah, what we decided, I mean... I often define Essays on Empathy as a therapy game. The genre is therapy for developers. And we've been through, it's like actually a therapy exercise. Go through everything you've done so far. We've developed this really small exclusive experience with really no crunch, no rush, just working in the mornings, distilling our thoughts on game making and creativity through that exclusive piece getting to record ourselves talking about what we've done so far with the documentary videos. And we put all that together. And even if it hasn't been released yet, I'm happy to say that I know we feel, or at least I feel ready to go back to that scary big project because this has been like a great reflection period for us to just face our creativity again, get to fall in love again with making games, remember why we liked doing them, and then... Remember that if you want to keep working, you need to keep in mind that this has to make you happy. It's not worth it. I mean, we used to think that any kind of sacrifice is worth it if you end up with a great product in the end, with if result justifies the means. Yeah. But no, we have super clear that 
the process is more important than the result. You need to be happy throughout the two years or three years that you are going to put into a game. If not, it doesn't make any sense. Wow. That, look, I mean, that's it's great that, you know, that you, I guess, were able to, you know, yeah, go through that process and and get to this place, you know. I think it, <laughs> my head leaps to, you know, the moment in uh, Almost Famous when they start singing uh, Elton John, Tiny Dancer, and it kind of reminds them what it means to be in a band, you know, that, <laughs> um, that clearly, yeah, it's something sort of important to find the joy again and, uh, you know, sort of put something together that you can reflect on. So that sounds great. I mean, what do you, you know, when this comes out, um, you know, is there a specific way you think people should approach playing it? Is is it kind of set up to play it chronologically, or um, you know, what's your recommendation for someone to yeah you know, when they when they get this in their hands? Well, I, I'm divided about this because um, the game has this like this nice launcher with every game. They are ordered chronologically, and they have their own uh, sheet, information sheet. Like this was developed in this context and a short bio and stuff like that. And even though they are, if they are presented in in chronological order, I cannot help but feel that the first ones are the worst ones. So, if you go right off the bat with, I mean, if you are committed to exploring this, by all means, start with the beginning and suffer them, and then start <laughs> enjoying them, and then I don't know, get to your own conclusions. If not, I think it's perfectly fine just to uh, cherry pick them. Like if it was a, I don't know, a, a sweet boxes and you're like, mm, I'm going to have this one today and maybe the other one, I'm going to have this other one. Whatever calls you from the box is, is nice too because they do not bear any narrative correlationship between them. The only correlation you can see is like our progress and um, evolution maturing as a studio through, through all of them. But Know that if you start with the very beginning, please be compassive about <laughs> the quality of the first games. Bigger, grander picture to wrap up. You know, clearly you've you know you've fought through some struggles, and you know you're coming out the other side there, which is brilliant. Um, what what are your hopes for kind of I guess not even just your own studio, but you know the future of games? Do you do you more broadly hope that? that smaller experiences like this do become more prominent or, you know, just, I guess, other kinds of opportunities out there in, in the industry? You know, I guess, you know, do you do you seek to play these kinds of things yourself or do you actually take a break by playing <laughs> the the big AAA craziness? <laughs> I mean, I am to blame uh, to feed the AAA machine because <laughs> I just love those games. I mean, I really like at the end of the day just getting to the sofa, turn on my PlayStation and just enjoy. Yeah. I mean, feel that their budget being thrown in my face, like this is amazing. <laughs> but on the other hand, I, I really hope that there is more and more space for the smaller experiences because right now uh, we have this idea about a short game needs to be about, I don't know, three hours, four hours is already a super short game. Yeah. And I mean, wow, that's like a super long movie. And we're yeah. going to complain about <laughs> it. I mean, holding the narrative quality for four hours, five hours is such a challenge. And then for movies, we, we're happy just with 90 minutes of a great movie. And I wish that it is more usual for games just to be, I mean, cheaper games with... Uh, shorter development cycles so people who made those games can be happier and it's just like instead of putting two years of your life into getting five hours of great narrative quality just putting three months or four months into a 15 
30 minute long experience that you can, I mean, I think it's, it's super nice and it's super common to buy a short comic book or some short piece of literature or anything, but short pieces of games, um, for some reason, we expect to get them for free, yeah. not to pay for them. And I wish uh, some industry about shorter games start as establishing because it's going to make a lot of people happy not only the one who make the games but people who can consume these experiences because there are some ideas that do not get to live just because they are not good enough to last for seven hours or ten hours yeah but you could have a great 30 minutes of your life spent there so i need we i think we need to push for the the shorter game industry or something like that yeah look yeah as a busy parent i know i'd love to have more of those experiences so that I feel like I can you know, actually fit in more like different styles and different experiences in the course of a month and not just go, well, that's the game I'm playing at the moment and I won't be finished it for months because I don't have much time. Look, <laughs> 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 Geordie, yeah. thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.